0: Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion in yesterday's sermon. We came from Romans chapter seven, going into the first 11 verses of chapter eight. And like we talked about yesterday, we weren't gonna do justice to some of the texts that we flew through in chapter eight. So I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna zoom in and show you biblically how to keep in step with the Spirit of God from Romans chapter eight. We're also gonna draw from Galatians. You need the Holy Spirit of God in your life if you have no Holy Spirit's presence in your life, you have no conviction for sin, you have none of that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control emanating from you, you are not saved. We saw this in our sermon yesterday. Go back and watch that if you have not watched that already. The Holy Spirit is not some sort of extra credit assignment. It's not some sort of like kooky out there doctrine for weird Baptists who eat vegan food. It is 100% necessary for every single step we take as Christians. This is what it means to keep in step with the Spirit, step by step, breath by breath. You absolutely need the Holy Spirit of God. Do not believe in some sort of like, I don't know what dichotomous God, we believe in the triune God. He is the Father, he is the Son, he is the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the text of Romans eight in the first five verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Stop right there, let's talk about that verse. It is pivotal, we introduced it in yesterday's sermon. It comes on the heels of the struggle Paul is describing himself as a wretched man in a body of death. He's articulating perfectly what it's like to be a Christian who has the Holy Spirit of God living within you, but you also find within the members of your flesh this desire to do sinful things. That temptation, culpability, is not going to go away until we are glorified. That's the term that's also defined in the text of Romans chapter 8. All right, so this this tension that exists, as Paul asks the question rhetorically, who will rescue me from this body of death? He ends that with, thanks be to God. All right, the text is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself, I'm serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. That's the context for the therefore right here at the beginning of Romans chapter 8. All right, so in my in my flesh I know that I'm under the law of sin. We bear the stains of original sin in our bodies. They are subject to futility as is all of creation. They're groaning and awaiting redemption as is all of creation. But with my mind, right? With my mind, I myself am serving the law of God. So it's this this dichotomous Struggle within mankind. We'll talk about the trichotomy of, uh, that comes in, in, in Hebrews, delineating like soul and spirit. But for now, about this law of sin versus the law of God struggle, this tug of war that's going on in his heart. His mind is dedicated to the things of the Lord, but his body comes hardwired and pre programmed with depravity that drags him back toward temptation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Let this be a salve to your soul if you have struggled with sin. And the key word in that is struggle. Okay? I'm not talking about someone who just regularly gives way to sin. All right? If you're not putting up even a fight, you don't bother to flee temptation. You never resist the devil, and so he never flees from you. If you're not struggling with your sin, you're just kicking back in it. You don't have the Holy Spirit of God, man. The Holy Spirit of God is going to convict you and try to kick your tail into gear. You'll do something that you know is wrong, and you won't be able to live yourself live with yourself until you repent. All right. That is what I mean by struggle with sin, where you took the bait knowing there was gonna be something more to it. And then sure enough, you find yourself back in old familiar territory, like someone who is alive crawling back into the coffin from whence God called you the day that you were saved. But now the good news is, you struggle with sin, you're actually struggling against it. You're resisting temptation, you're cutting the things off in your life that cause you to sin, you're walking in that repentance. There's no condemnation for you. You're in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're free. You don't actually have to go back to sin. This is radically countercultural. There's nothing else in secular culture, especially not in liberal virtue signaling culture, especially not in sexual liberation theology culture, that's going to ever, ever compare to what the Bible actually says here. You are free from your sin. This is the polar opposite of the message that we're telling young people as a society when we tell them. If you have same-sex attraction, that means you're permanently gay, you were born this way, you're defined by this, this is who you are, you should be proud of this, you should lean into this more, effectively saying, no, you have to continue in the gay lifestyle. It's the polar opposite of what this text is saying. This text actually says, you are free. You don't have to sin. You're free from the law of sin and death. Now, what does that mean about the Christian who then gets stuck in sin? It means that it's our own fault. All right, we, we talked about this yesterday in our sermon, it means that we were not slaves to that sin, to the effect that we had no choice but to sin. All right, First Corinthians ten thirteen totally sets the record straight on this. God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we could bear, but when we're tempted, He'll always provide a way out so we can stand up under it. And it's up to us whether we take that way out or not. We are actually free to not sin. This is the polar opposite of modern-day society's use of protected classes, even on the federal level, and especially more so on the Washington state level, to say that like if this is the way that you feel inclined, this is who you are as a person, and it is wrong for anybody to try to invite you to repent from sin. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You don't actually have to sin. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did we cannot by our own merit on our own strength adhere to the law of god it's like there'd be this theoretical other way to heaven aside from jesus and that other way to heaven is live an absolutely perfect life and be totally sinless all right if that were possible christ would not have had to die on the cross but because of the weakness of the flesh the reality is we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god that paul wrote that in this same book that we're studying from right now in romans chapter 3 verse 23 so righteousness by the flesh is a non-starter. So the law then can't save any of us because none of us is perfect. He condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. See yesterday's sermon on a sin offering. Jesus came in the flesh. Sin was condemned then in the flesh in order that the law's requirement will be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Remember again, we saw this, right? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. If you have the Holy Spirit, you feel that conviction for sin. You repent from sin. When you stumble, you get back up again. When you miss the mark, you start over again. When you have that, it indicates that you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, if you're in the Spirit, this pertains to you. The law's requirement will be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. Let's talk about the first half of this verse. If you have your mind set on the things of the flesh, that's how you're walking. Whatever you behold, that's what you become. If you are fixated with the things of the flesh, it's going to come to define you. We're seeing it happen in culture, right? That if you are beholden to the things of the flesh, if your mind is set only on carnal things, never on the spiritual, you never even consider the idea of repenting, then you're going to walk according according to the most base, and carnal desires that you're born with. It's going to set your whole life trajectory, and now we're even seeing it codified legally to say, like, this is the kind of person that you are. If your mind is set on the things of the flesh, that is the type of person that you are, and that's not a good thing, right? Because by our own desires, man, we are all adulterous. By our own desires, we are we are all murderous. See Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, it's not enough just to, just to not commit adultery. If you look, with someone, look at someone lustfully, it's something that everybody struggles with, especially like 99% of men struggle with this and 1% lie about it. If your mind is set on those things, that's gonna become the summation of who you are. But look at this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. For real this time. The reason you haven't stuck with it, the reason that you've left church behind, the reason that you kind of just pay homage to God and check in every Easter and every Christmas in the past, not anymore, what's gonna be for real this time is you're gonna actually obey the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna have your mind set on the Holy Spirit. Our challenge this week is to journal in the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit lays on your heart what he convicts you for, what he calls you to pray for. Journal these things. This is going to flow into next week's challenge as well. And it's a big one. It's a scary one. But this is transformative, man. The reason it didn't stick when you would just go to church and then fall away and then go to church once again a long time later and then fall away. The reason it didn't stick is you weren't walking every day in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Think on it. There's not going to be some demonic spirit saying, you should probably stop this sin. There's not going to be some demonic spirit saying, hey, you should probably be honest with your spouse. You should probably be honest with your kids. You should probably apologize to your children. You should probably reconcile with your parents. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Christian who's become accustomed to quenching the Holy Spirit, silencing his voice, keeping it him at arm's length. It's in a very dangerous place. And I would be willing to bet one of my kids that you're miserable too. Because there's not life, there's not peace in anyone else. The mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. I pray that you continue to journal. Can't wait to see you again continue in Romans chapter 8.